Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence with psychiatrist Bernard David Beitman, MD. Dr. Beitman is the founder of The Coincidence Project. The project encourages people like you to tell each other coincidence stories. To learn more about Dr. Beitman's work, put Connecting with Coincidence in your web browser. You'll find his book, his Psychology Today blog, and the interviews from this podcast. And now your host, Bernard Beitman, MD. Welcome to Connecting with Coincidence. I am your host, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD. And our job here is to get people to talk about coincidences. And what we do with that is then try to see how people use them, what meaning they put to them, as well as uh, how to explain them. Those are some of the mysteries we're facing. And one person who is now a coincidence student is our guest today. Uh, her name is Janet Payne, and Janet has worked as a site manager and counselor at Prince Edward Island. Now, there may be a few of you out there who don't know where Prince Edward Island is. Well, it's way out there, really. It's uh, near Nova Scotia, which is north of Maine, but it's further east than Nova Scotia, and it's 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 pleasantly called the rock because it's a lot of rock on PEI but somehow they survive and Janet has and she's thrived um, with her three now coming four grandchildren and her, her seven children and many of them still on PEI and, and you know consistent with having seven children she's a career she works in career development services seems to me that would be helpful if, if you got all those kids and grandchildren coming up she's done that for over 15 years and has enjoyed working as a sessional instructor at the university of prince edward island during most of this time she is currently completing her phd in education and is focusing her dis dissertation on the importance of intuition and synchronicity within career counseling. Intuition, synchronicity, career counseling, yada da. She and her husband, Neil, have seven children and four grandchildren and reside in Kinkora, PEI, and Jamesville, Cape Breton. So you're in two places at the same time, Jen, is that what this is? Yes, we are. That's okay. So welcome to the show, Janet. It's lovely having you, and I think <clears throat> I think it's worthwhile for our audience to know how did this happen that you and I are talking together. Well, I'm glad you introduced me as a student of uh, coincidence because I, I don't want to portray myself as knowing more about coincidence than I really do. And as a student of coincidence, as I'm trying to determine my own dissertation focus. I began to read books on coincidence and synchronicity. And Bernie, it was one of your books on coincidence that I happened to read recently. And when I read something that I feel very connected to, I have a little routine of sending off a message of thanks to that author. I don't do that all the time, but I do it when it's meaningful. So I, I found you online as it's very easy to do in this day and age. I sent you a little thank you message for that book. And uh, here we are, uh, connected by coincidence. So 
responding to that message that I sent uh, just a couple of weeks ago, Bernie. Well, you just didn't send a message of thanks, you know. You told me what you were doing. So what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm doing my dissertation on a focus on intuition and synchronicity within women's career counseling. And I like to frame career counseling as, as not just matching people with jobs, but really looking at the life purpose part of career. And that can go beyond paid employment to whatever people find meaningful and purposeful in life. So I'm really looking at, as a counselor and as a researcher in this field, how can we use synchronicity and intuition to help women find their own purpose? And you're, do, you're doing it within a career counseling setting. Uh, I mean, they're helping them with finding jobs, but you want the job to fit their, their uh, life purpose, we'll say. Uh, what their soul might be seeking, you could say. And why do I say what your soul might be seeking? Because one of the people that is involved with the Coincidence Project and with the Coincidence Ambassadors is Amalia um, Eon Karras, who is trying to do just the same thing. Mm -hmm. It's help trying to people, helping people find their soul purpose in their vocation but one that fits with their life purpose. And she uses synchronicity to be able to do that. Well, that's, that's one of the fun things about doing what I'm doing is that I can match people. This is Bernie's little match thing. <laughs> it's a computer in here. I remember things, but it's fun to do that. And uh, I've got a per person, interested in ethics and a per, and a parapsychology and a person who's doing parapsychology writing, put them together because he needed to hear some of that as an example. So uh, we'll, we'll be able to have you meet uh, Amalia in some form or another as well. Okay. So you, you probably differ from the way she does it and the way you do it. And two of you might find out about how that difference is, but I want to find out how you go about helping women in life transitions use synchronicity and intuition to tune into their own soul work to find out what the right job in the current job market it's limited is for them how do you do that i'm not doing it yet i'm theorizing about how i hope to do it in the future bernie so right now when i'm working with women i really try to listen and I try to help guide them to look at those signs, the synchronicities, the power of their own intuition in their life, so that I'm not the expert telling them what they should do, but I'm helping them be empowered to look within and to find out from themselves what it is they feel that they should do. But through my dissertation and through my research, I hope to spend time interviewing women who have used synchronicity and who have used their intuition and can be role models for how other women can use these tools and these tactics to be able to find purpose in their own lives. So the work that I'm planning to do is more of a, a narrative inquiry into the lives of women who actually have used synchronicity and who do believe in the power of their own intuition and their intuitive ability to connect with the synchronicity. 
So through this narrative inquiry, I'm hoping to share these stories with other women. So both women who read these stories and their counselors or potential counselors may learn about another way of doing career counseling. <laughs> I like that smile on your face <laughs> talking about it. You really like you really yeah. like you really yes you yeah. really like it uh, and that's wonderful um you couldn't be saying what you just said without having a few stories already you couldn't because you've seen it happen and it might have happened to you even uh, because that's the way this stuff usually goes you know well 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 this happened to me okay <laughs> what is this uh so Without further ado, why don't you tell us what happened to you that was synchronicity, intuition, finding your purpose, leading you to where you are right now? So hard to know where to start, Bernie, because uh, when when you asked me that question, I thought, well, well, what event or what moment or what synchronicity do, do I mention? Because I find that something that just happens on such a regular basis, and oftentimes, they're not fantastic or mind-blowing events. They could be subtle. They could be quite every day, but it's the feeling that accompanies that synchronistic event. It's that, that tingling and the, the hair standing on the back of my neck and the goosebumps that come along with that coincidence that lets me know so deeply inside of me, this is a special moment and I better pay attention to it because it's very meaningful. So to answer your question and to give an example, I'm trying to think of which of the three types of coincidences to share with you first. Um, I've had dreams all my life and so has my mother and her, her mother and her father before her of, of precognitions. And, and I feel a connectedness to my own children through many of the dreams that I have that, that do happen to them. Um, but a dream I had myself quite a few years ago um, was one that, that was meaningful. I, uh, I had dreamt that I had my kitchen knife. It was my favorite kitchen knife with a brown handle that was great for peeling potatoes and peeling carrots. And I had that knife in my dream and I sliced through a green apple. And inside the apple, blood started to pour out. It was a, it was a horrible moment in my dream. It was a really bad dream with this knife and with this apple and with the blood gushing everywhere. And when I woke up, I had a different sense from normal dreams that I had. I, I had a feeling that that was a significant dream. And three days later, two or three days later, I got up one morning and it was a Sunday morning and I just made caramel apples. And I don't know about you, but I love caramel apples, but they stick to the cookie sheet and I hadn't used the parchment paper. So I had to take a knife and I just happened to take that knife that I had dreamt about. And I pried the apple off of the cookie sheet. And in doing so, I put it right into my hand and it didn't come out the other side, but it was so, so deep. And, and I think of myself as a fairly tough knot, and my husband is a very tough fellow, but both of us stood there near in shock with the blood gushing, and we thought if we both faint at this moment, it's going to look like a horrible domestic violence situation. <laughs> but we pulled ourselves together and went to the hospital, and I'm not sure what we did with all the kids at this time, because I think I was about eight months, months pregnant with the fifth child, 
And uh, sure enough, they stitched me up and uh, my hand was as good as new. But those kinds of dreams I find are helpful to me in the sense that sometimes we have warning dreams about ourselves or about our children especially. Um, and the important thing is to not drive ourselves crazy thinking that every dream has a special meaning. Because if I woke up every day thinking that every dream I had, I had to act on or be forewarned by, it would be difficult to concentrate on our daily life. So I think finding that balance between knowing that feeling when a dream is special and meaningful and a precognition versus just a dream you might have on any given night is an important thing to keep in mind. Um, yes, uh, it's an important thing to keep in mind. Um, and what you seem to be describing may have a parallel in um, the brain. Uh, we have an amygdala and a hippocampus on either side of our hemispheres. And I think of uh, like events going through our minds or through our brains. And then when you get to like firing up the amygdalas, which are emotion based, it kind of it marks that event as something to remember for the hippocampus. They're, they're kind of twins who are really not the same at all. They're not, they're fraternal twins. They're right next to each other, the hippocampus and the amygdala. So the amygdala marks stuff for the hippocampus to, to, to remember as something that's important. And what you describe as your feeling, which I assume is part of what you mean by intuition, is that you mark certain dreams in this case, certain events in your life, some coincidences, uh, as important using your emotional reaction. And those are the ones that you're going to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're trying to be planning to help women looking for their soul and through synchronicity, their purpose in life to be able to do it. Is that, is that how does that sound to you? It's, that's, I agree with everything you're saying. I have to spend a lot of time really learning more about the theory because what I know now is the experience of synchronicity. I know the feeling of synchronicity, but I have more to learn about the underlying theory of synchronicity and whether I will learn that or not is to be determined. Um, but I've certainly felt it. Well, you're going to look at my next book. Uh, that's going to help you understand some of what I've been able to see about theory. Um, but you're you're a pragmatician. You're you like to you like to do things. You you have to like to do things with seven children, three four mm -hmm. grandchildren. You're doing stuff in an organized way, systematic way, uh, coming out of all that looking good. So you've got a you've got a way of doing stuff and somehow intuition synchronicity have been part of what you have been doing so for for us because one of the problems we get into sometimes or issues we get into and sometimes with the coincidence project is um is how do you define these terms when do you use them you I have my definitions. I love talking to people who are serendipity people because we get into arguments about serendipity, synchronicity, and coincidence. I use coincidence to cover both serendipity and synchronicity. But what do you, Janet Payne, think synchronicity is? What do you? How do you think about that? Well, 
Can I start, Bernie, by telling you a little bit more about when I finally accepted synchronicity as a big part of life? Can we start there? Please do. So about 15 years ago, I started to notice patterns and symbols in the world around me in a way that I couldn't ignore. And they were numeric patterns and they were number sequences. And we don't know each other, Bernie, and we don't know each other all that well. So for me to admit to you that I saw numbers in my life, that's the kind of thing that sounds a little bit crazy. You don't usually share that with many other people. And I'm hoping a platform like this, where we already believe in synchronicity and coincidence makes it an okay place to share. But as I started to see- Well, it, it does. It does, Janet. And you, you got to understand, yes, I'm a psychiatrist and I've been chairman of a psychiatry department. Uh, I went to Yale and Stanford. I, you know, I, I got that all that stuff and I'm a little crazy, but I'm not. This stuff is real and, uh, and I know it. And uh, we're, we're on the a leading edge here to try to be able to confirm it for people who like people who are who have psychotic episodes or look a little crazies sometimes go to psychiatrists and if you tell them stories not quite as easy as yours but when you're paying attention to numbers uh they don't know what to do with it but mm -hmm. this we're trying to make it so people are able to know what to do with it so please you don't know me but you read my book so you have some idea about something so it's seeing just... numbers ain't no big deal it's like to me is like what to do with numbers. Numbers are a real problem for me, a real problem for me. Because uh, are they, does numbers exist be, beyond human mind? And there's some weird stuff from the archetypal world that kind of hits you? Or is it just that we have a lot of numbers around us all the time and we're paying attention to them or something in between? So it's, it's a very important question. So tell us about your numbers. So I've asked myself those same questions. What, what, where are these numbers coming from? And probably for 10 years, I, I would notice them on a very frequent basis and, and, and just try to deny that because it was just a little bit weird. It was just a little bit too weird. What, was, what were you seeing, Janet? Well, it would be, I'd call them my 38s. There would be the sequence of threes and eights. And oh, so that's your number, huh? Threes and eights. So I mean, it, would, it would have to be 38 or 83, but most frequently 383. So we're not stretching this to be numbers that add up to 38. We're not stretching this to be a three here and an eight there. We're saying that I'm saying the pattern of the 383 or the 838. And I'm seeing this in in on the clock or on license plates or anywhere that a number can appear. But what made it more significant was I would feel them coming and I would say to the kids, oh, I feel an 83 and then the next car that would pass would be 383. And because the kids were with me so frequently, it validated that this wasn't in my head and I, they just would laugh about it. And uh, I then thought, okay, if, if there, there's, this, there's this source from these numbers, the 38s and the 83s, they're in my life for some reason. I can't ignore this anymore. Let's just go with it. So I, I came to the point of accepting that that was part of my reality. But what it did, Bernie, was it changed my understanding of material reality. And that is difficult in the Western world to change your understanding of what is material reality. So I started to learn a bit more 
about just very basic principles in physics in terms of things that could be non-local or acausal and an understanding the very, very smallest molecules and particles could be in two places at one time or could be non-local, I began to wonder if that could also occur in the material world, that the world could be more elastic or more flexible or more magical than I was raised to believe it was. So through the exposure to these numbers over a long period of time, it changed my understanding of, of material reality so that I now began to wonder if there are forces in the world that we can interact with that we can call synchronicity or coincidence and that if that's collected or connected to a collective consciousness, a source greater than ourselves and we could call it God, the universe, the creative source, it doesn't really matter to me because it just represents to me a positive energy that I'm part of and that's greater than me. So then I thought, okay, I might as well use these 38s and 83s because they seem to be appearing on a very regular basis. Let's try to live my best life in a very practical way. And as the mother of seven children, I'm always practical and thrifty and trying to make the most of situations. And so as I'd go into the city, so our city in PEI is called Charlottetown. As I'd go into the city, there was the choice to go straight on University Avenue to the university, or you could veer off left and right at the intersection and go shopping and do errands. And it just seemed that over the period of a year, every single time I was at that intersection, the 38s and the 83s would be there and license plates and on signs and it, without fail every time the car ahead of me or that would come next to me or be in my rearview mirror would always be connected to a 383 and 838 and I thought what's this telling me in a symbolic level if I'm connecting to something a little bit greater than myself what's the meaning behind this that this is an intersection I'm on University Avenue why not go back to school? But the, what would be wrong with me taking this as an indication that I'm on a path here, I'm on a journey, I'm at an intersection in life, and why don't I move forward and go back to university and immerse myself in a PhD program, which had always been part of my plan, but because of availability and opportunity and even the types of programs available in a very small province here in Canada, it meant that I was restricted to what was available in front of me. So I took this as a sign and I signed up to go back to school, which was impossible when you really think about it because I couldn't afford to be a full-time student. I needed to work. We have a large family. My husband has a great job, but it takes two incomes to make things work. So I applied to go back to school, simply trusting that these 83s and the 38s or whoever or whatever they are had guided me to make that decision. And it just felt like it was going to work out. So I signed up for the impossible, trusting in this guidance that I call synchronicity or coincidence. And to date, it has worked out so far. As we used to like to say in the old days, uh, far out. I mean, that, that was, uh, that, that is, uh, an amazing 
that is an amazing story. Um, I, I like the way you use the symbols because I try to be able to get that to happen. Um, it's just what I'm thinking about that you are at a juncture between shopping and school, between shopping and school. And they keep popping up right there. And you say, I have a decision I can make here. And they're telling you that you have a decision you can make here. And then you pops up, really what you wanna do is go to school. And the, these 38s, the 38 revolvers, you know them by now, but 83, I don't know what that is. Um, my, I had one son born in 82, but that's, I don't have 83, but it's fun, it's fun to hear a, a person who's really got a number. I mean, you've got a number. My, mine was 23 for quite a while, uh, which is not uncommon, that one. Um, but 38 and 83, it's like, I don't, I, this is just, I get, I just remember the story. So it's your story. It's just like, okay, I'll pack that away. But you you had a feeling, and that's the important thing here. Um, and you had a feeling that school was going to work out. You had this blind trust somehow that it was going to work out, even though you two jobs and uh, expensive and kids, all the kids and stuff. That um, is intuition. When, uh, that's what you mean. You had a feeling that it was going to be okay. I had a feeling it was going to be okay. Um, that's, uh, you know, sometimes I wonder when people have that feeling and it doesn't work out what's going on, but I don't have enough people that, that I've talked about with that, but you always got to look at another side of it. That's what the good academic and clear thinking is, but here you had the feeling. So there had to be a few things that made it, it possible to work out like there's a money problem right there. You didn't have enough to pay for it. And you weren't clear at the junction when you made the decision what you were going to major in or what you were gonna pick. So tell us about synchronicity, intuition, money and selecting career counseling. Okay. I, I think a lot of it comes down to having an end goal, but being flexible that the how or the path that you'll take to get to that ultimate goal, you can't control that piece. Why do I hear that so often? <laughs> do you agree with that? That, you, that when you're rigid, when there's a rigidity, then that can lead to a lot of disappointment. But if there's that end goal and then let the pieces fall in place, if we truly do believe that that, that, that there is a source of energy out there that we can communicate with and that life is less um, inflexible than, than we would think or more flexible than we would think. Yeah. We have to keep that end goal in mind, but be flexible in achieving it. So in, in my case, I had hoped to do a PhD in psychology, but when I found out that it was not possible for me to continue working full time, and attend that program and PEI that was in psychology, I knew that that was not an option for me. So keeping my end goal of the PhD in mind, I changed my route to education where I could still focus on counseling since counseling fell within that umbrella of education. But it did mean 
that I needed to look outside of my university for experts in the field who I could bring closer to me and, and have as mentors because there was no one at my university that was interested or an expert in that field. In which field? In the field of counseling and now in the focus of synchronicity and intuition within the field. Of yeah, counseling. well, I mean, there are a lot of universities do have career counseling within counseling psychology. But you, you, what did, didn't you have somebody that was like a career counselor there at PEI? Oh. No, not that I'm working with. So that's something that still has to come that I have to reach out and pull into my committee. But I, I have full confidence that there's somebody out there who would, would be my mentor in, in, that, in that way. So I'm, what's the department that you're in then? It's education. It's oh. the faculty of education. Oh, okay. Yeah, and yeah. so you told them you wanted to be a career counselor and they said, okay. Well, I, I, it's baby steps. I had to get accepted into a PhD in education program first. And then once in, then I had the flexibility to be able to go towards those areas that were of most interest to me. So I'm stretching it to the nth degree. I'm stretching it uh, very far from what most students within a PhD in education program would be able to focus on. I would probably fit fit better under a uh, program that focused on psychology or spirituality or many other things. But I'm trying to work with the resources that are in the province that I live within so that this can be real for me. So it's very practical. But in terms of looking at how did I also use synchronicity as I'm figuring out my dissertation focus, I have a wonderful supervisor who gives me a lot of flexibility and freedom. And he's very patient. And I said, you know, instead of really focusing on a literature review and analytically analyzing what my focus should be, I kind of like to live what I preach and just wait till it comes to me. I'd like to be intuitively inspired about what my focus should be. Now, I'm sure there are many supervisors out there that wouldn't have been comfortable with that approach and would have wanted me to just start doing a lit review, figure out what's, what research has already been done and analytically decide what my focus needed to be. But my supervisor's wonderful and he gave me that freedom. And that's exactly the, the approach that I took to committing to my dissertation focus. I thought if there is an energy that's very intelligent out there and I'm connected to it, I would try to just be as open as I could to tap into that so that I have some type of inspiration or intuition of what direction to move into. So not only was I using synchronicity to come up with my dissertation focus, I decided to focus on synchronicity as that focus. And how did that, how did you come to that decision? Well, every weekend we'd leave our uh, home in PEI and go to our cottage on Cape Breton Island. That's uh, another island on the east coast of Canada. How and nice, how very nice. Uh, it's a very, very beautiful place. And uh, it's a place where there's no distractions, Bernie. I can just be with the family and cook meals and go to the beach and walk in the woods. And it's the perfect environment to be inspired and to be intuitive. And I just trusted that by the end of the season, an inspirational thought would come to me and I'd be able to commit to my dissertation. 
And the very last weekend of the season, we just arrived at the cottage and I was doing the dishes at the sink and it just occurred to me, you know, my trajectory is I've always worked with women. I've always worked in career decision-making. I'd love to continue to work with women and I'd like to focus on those roles of synchronicity and intuition within that search for life purpose. So I committed to it in a moment and I haven't veered from it since. Well, you spent 15 years in career counseling already. So it seems like a natural for you. Um, and finally you got around to doing that. So what you're doing, I mean, you it's just a natural trajectory for you and you love doing it. So it just took you a while to find who you out, who you were and that's who you are. You love doing that. And you want to do it with women, not men. What are you sexist or something? I love men. I have a wonderful husband that I just love more than anything, but I love working with women. I really do. And, and I've, I've been asked that question before. Why do I want to focus on women's career counseling? On PE, I would, I would expect that question of you. Yeah, it's, it's a I, fair question. And I realize I don't have to be everything to everybody. I don't have to be everything to everybody. I can select what I really get excited about focusing on. And that's what I want to focus on. And, and there's a different energy working with most women. Now, I know it's a continuum. And many men have a wonderful feminine energy. And many women have a wonderful masculine energy. But it's the feminine energy that I'd love to work with when I'm working with individuals searching for life purpose. Me too. Much prefer working with women. Uh, I have one male patient, the rest are women. Uh, that's that's and what is that uh, for you that makes women and their energy so much more appealing than the masculine one? That's a really good question. I don't see it as better. I just see it as different, and I see it as something that I can relate to. I see a feminine energy as being collaborative, cooperative, intuitive, and really being connected to within and being receptive. And all those things fit with my idea of what synchronicity is. So I believe it's that connection between those feminine ways of being in the world and synchronicity that I really appreciate. Yeah, I, I mean, as you say, there's some women who are really hard headed and don't get to it. And men like me who are more uh, in the intuitive sense. and. Uh, those are the only kind of guys I like to hang around with. Um, uh, there's, there is a difference. And it's partly, too, uh, empowering women is a thing that's happening more and more, even though there's still complaints about it, and there should be. But it's, and this is an empowering thing, to be able to emphasize the intuition, the feminine, the receptive, the, the openness, the flexibility, the willingness to keep exploring, the willingness to try to understand, the willingness to be able to hear weird ideas and try to be able to comprehend them rather than rejecting them very quickly. That's, it's, you know, it's a continuum, but that's a predisposition that really... And, and, I don't know. I think they're more fun to talk with for the most part, kind of because they can live. They like my jokes, uh, and not all of them do. Yeah. And but I, 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 it, there is, there is that. I have the same feeling um, for maybe a different reason. 
um, but it's not, it turns out to be not just gender, it's, it's a predisposition to behave in the way that you're talking about. And what you're talking about is, um, is a, a capacity we all have. And it's just the, the probabilities of it occurring in a, a woman are higher than it is in, in, in with a man. It just the probabilities are higher. Mm. Yeah, that's just the way it is. So uh, what I'd love to do too, Bernie, is after I finish my dissertation and finish my current research, I'd love to be able to foresee a way of working in a group counseling setting where women would be empowered and encouraged to, I guess, help one another identify those moments of synchronicity in their lives and help empower each to really develop their trust in their intuition. And I think women are quite receptive to doing that in a group environment. If it's the right kind of group, if it's an empowering positive group, and we've seen that kind of a setup in many other many ways. Um, Alcoholics Anonymous is based on that whole idea of the power of the group and the empowerment that comes from that group. I'd love to see that in a career counseling framework. And right now, I don't do any of that. I do all one-on-one -on -one sessions. I do all individual counseling. And I would like to try that to do group work with women with this focus on synchronicity and intuition and that synergy or the energy that happens in the room when they're not just getting something from me they're giving to one another as they explore the different options that they have in life well that sounds like fun i think so <laughs> that sounds like fun um uh, I've started this coincidence ambassador group, and we meet on Zoom. And you know, there's like like seven regulars or so come every. It's like we have our sixth meeting uh, next month, and uh, others come in and out. And uh, for those who are really interested in the coincidence business, uh, it's very uh, energizing because it's people thinking the, along the same way and. And this is a strange way of thinking. And as you implied earlier, it's not really conventional, but it's when you find people who are doing it and it looks like there are more people doing it uh, more and more, having a group like that is gonna extend it because part of my purpose is to do what you're doing is proposing is get people to tell each other their coincidence stories. And that's what you're doing is you wanna have a group and tell coincidence stories. Um, and that's part of what I do in this program. But you, you really haven't told us that many synchronicities of yours. You tell us about the dream and you told us about the 38s. But the rest of it has been uh, more like your life, uh, the things you've done and what you had to do. And I was interested in that. But we, we're, we're going to be running out of time in a little bit. Uh, so tell us some, one of your best synchronicities. I don't know if it's my best, but something that's meaningful to me it goes back to when I was about 16. And I was at a bakery that I was working at. I was there with my best friend, Michelle, who also worked at the bakery. And her boyfriend was coming in to, uh, to meet her there. And we had never, never seen her boyfriend before. So I remember hiding kind of behind one of the, the shelves and I was begging rolls. So it didn't look like I was really watching. And, and he came in and 
There was a third coworker there too. And we were just quietly watching as, as our friend Michelle saw her boyfriend there. And I had an immediate feeling that he would be in my life in some really meaningful way. And at 16, I really didn't think of myself as someone who would get married. I, I wasn't looking for a relationship, but at the same time, I had this overwhelming feeling and knowing that that guy was going to be in my life. It wasn't even a physical attraction because I could hardly get a look at him because he was way over at the door and certainly wasn't based on personality because I hadn't talked to him, but there was an immediate knowing. That was when I was 16. When I was 19, that fella asked me out and we've been together for over 30 years. He's my husband. And I have to say that I knew the moment that I saw him that he would be mine. And he was the most wonderful thing that really has ever happened to me, Bernie. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Uh, the feeling comes right across through the Zoomy to me. Uh, that's a, that's, that's lovely. And uh, love at first feel. Yeah. Uh, you felt it, not so, not saw him as much as felt him, and uh, the vibe was right. That's that's good. Um, tell us another one. Well, just last week, I went to a hockey game last week, and my um, twenty-one-year-old was playing, and it was a really rough game. There's a lot of checking, and I was distracted a little bit. I was talking to the person next to me. And home that night and it was quite late and I went to bed and I had this dream of my son with his hockey gear on but it was from the team he was on in high school and I was called into the room at the at the rink and I was asked to look at his at his hand I believe his hand was cut badly and he was having an argument with his fiance as to whether he should get stitches or not it's always been kind of a joke in our family that I think you never need stitches, that as long as you can get the bleeding to stop, that stitches aren't necessary. So I said, oh, no, no, that, that will heal. That'll leave a scar, but that'll heal. And that was the end of my dream. So when I woke up the next morning, uh, my husband looked on his phone and he said, oh, I, I got a text message from Riley. Now, Riley is my son I'm talking about. Oh, Riley was wondering if he had to get stitches last night. That check that he had at Center Ice, it, it really cut him bad over the eye. And, and they were thinking about going to the ER to, uh, to get stitches last night. But in the end, he thought it would be okay. And uh, that, that was just a regular day, Bernie. That was just last week. But anything like that that happens with my children, where there could be some injury or something emotional, would just happen on a, a pretty weekly basis. So you, 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 you feel, or uh, do you dreamt that? How about having a feeling that a certain child is hurt? Yeah, yeah, I, I, yes, most are related to dreams, but there, there was another time when my, my sixth child was a baby and we were at an old trailer in Cape Breton. It's just a, a really old trailer. And uh, we were sleeping at night and I always slept with my babies next to me. They always slept in the, in the crook of my arm. And uh, I remember having this intense feeling that something was going to happen to this dear little baby. And I remember taking my body in my half sleep, half wake, and just covering her over. And just moments later, 
um, a railing that was on one of the bunk beds just above us with very pointy sharp prongs that fit into the edge of the bed came tumbling down and over and right on top of us and it didn't hurt me badly it was just my shoulder but it would have come right down on her tiny little wee head and you can look at that with a critical mind and say well maybe I heard that rattling or maybe I heard something dislodging it but it wasn't it wasn't that kind of physical material that would have wiggled or dislodged first it just immediately came down so that was a feeling that something was going to happen. And by being able to yes, pay attention to that feeling, I was able to prevent her from being hurt. There was another time when I was driving in the car and probably three of the kids were in the back seat. And uh, I was just about to come up to an intersection, but actually stopped a bit far behind the intersection because I had this feeling that I absolutely needed to stop, which is an unusual thing to do. You don't stop when you're not at an intersection. And I turned around and I was fixing the seatbelt of one of the children in the back seat. As I was just about to start to go, because it still was a green light for me, a car came racing through the intersection and it truly would have hit me as it went through that red light had I not had that intense feeling that I needed to stop right there where I was located in the road. And again, you could use a critical uh, mind and say, well, maybe I saw that car coming out of the, my peripheral vision, but I don't believe I did. I trust that that was also some collective consciousness, whether you call it your ancestors or source or spirit, giving me a nice little nudge that I had better not go through that green light. I have a, I had a story of a, a young woman getting a cell phone call uh, right at when she was about to cross and that stopped her and a huge truck came, came across and what that would have hit her, her brother who takes care of her uh, called. Um, these are these are interesting collections to try to see uh, what patterns there are. The, the, I, I look at patterns of stories. Uh, none of the ones that you've told me, except the dream ones, which is mostly the way you pick up information. I'm seeing. Uh, and what I'm asking about is uh, being able to feel the pain or difficulty of a child at a distance right now that you're feeling something in your body or just your intuition, there's something wrong with Neil or something wrong with somebody else. And no, I'd be lying if I told you I had that sense. That's not something I feel as well developed in me, Bernie. I, I don't have that sense. It would all be through dreams that I'd wake up feeling I better call this child or I better call that child. My senses would always and only come through dreams I have to admit they don't come in my waking life. Except when you're with a child. Yes. As you've told us um, yes. with your little baby and you're about to cross the streets. I mean, we, we all have these different ways of perceiving uh, what people might call weird, ex weird events. Uh, and it's fun to see the differences uh, where people are channeled in certain direction that maybe the numbers have something to do with uh, identifying. It's so almost like 3883 is like, I played football, so it's the number you got on your hockey stick, on your hockey shirt or something. That's, that's, 
That's Janet Payne's number, 83, 38. Uh, 83 on the front, 38 in the back, something like that. Um, that we have certain signatures of patterns of influence of the way we, what we understand incoming information. And uh, it's fun hearing what, the way you do it. Well, we've come to the end of um, this episode of uh, Connecting with Coincidence. And uh, I want to thank you very much, Janet, for, for coming. Uh, you're very articulate in what you say and how you say it. I can't help saying I hear a little Irish brogue in there every once in a while. Is there a reason? Yeah, I'm from Cape Breton, Bernie. So I might live in Peace now, but I'm from Cape Breton. And my ancestors would have come from Scotland. So where we go to our cottage in Cape Breton, there's this rich, rich history where those folks were from Iona in Cape Breton who came from a place called Iona in Scotland, which is even to this day referred to as a thin place where that veil between this world and the next is quite thin. So I, I love to learn more about that, uh, that part of my background. Oh, so it's Scottish. I do get mixed up a little bit. And the thin is Scotland or Cape Breton? I would say both. I'd both. say both are quite thin places, Bernie. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'd go for Cape Breton just because it's just out there more than Scotland. Scotland's got Ireland in between it and the ocean and you got nothing. It's just you and the whales out there. And that's a wonderful, wonderful, I love islands. I've I've, I've gone to um, the other side of the Canada to uh, to British Columbia to uh, Cortez Island, off which off of um, off of Vancouver Island, and I used to go to Salt Spring Island a long time ago. My favorite places of being uh, out there, and what what I imagine Cape Breton to be is something like that. It's just I love. I love that north. This is northwest, northeast for United States. It's like it's it's lovely and it's a wonderful place to think and feel. And you brought a little Scotland in in with you because it was there. And it's been great talking with you, Janet. Uh, and uh, I, I think we may have a conversation sometime again, sometime in the future. Let's see. And so over and out, Janet, thanks for being with us. Thank you, Bernie. This psychosphere is our mental atmosphere, like a hologram of cosmic consciousness.